Um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Brian introduced our Encounter series. And if you were there during the first week, which was Encounter Faith, you might remember that he suggested that we had a lot to learn and a lot to unpack together during the week that focused on healing. I went back and listened to the Encounter Faith sermon, and his words were, in the next few weeks, we're going to look more deeply at this topic of healing and look at more encounters to unpack this topic of healing even more. Well, I think that Pastor Brian may have forgotten when he said that, that I, the student pastor, would be the one teaching all of you about healing today. So if you still have questions, which you will, write them down, take out your phone and put a note in there, and then come back next week and ask Pastor Brian. <laughs> My name is Carolyn Wirtz-Polstra, and I am just absolutely delighted to serve on the Clay Church staff as the operations director. And I also just have this absolute privilege of being a student pastor here at Clay and coming alongside all of you as you have affirmed my call into ministry. Um, I am excited to dig into what we can learn from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Um, but before we dive into that text, let us pray together. God of light and love and hope, God of restoration, we welcome you in this place this morning. We know that you are here and we open our hearts to be centered on your word. May your spirit move in and through us. May we feel your sweet presence as we gather to know you more. God, we expect to encounter your holy presence today. Help us to sense your Holy Spirit moving among us. Thank you for being a God who calls us your own, who loves us, and who hears our prayers. Lord, we lift up our heart's heavy burdens to you on this day. We trust in your miraculous ways, and we pray that you help us to press in to see your face and to feel your comforting hand. May our hearts be open to you and what you have to reveal to us. And God, I humbly ask that my words would be your words. Let me get out of the way so that your spirit may move among us. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 9. Um, right before we begin talking about healing, we had been discussing forgiveness. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about forgiveness. So where these scriptures pick up, Jesus had just talked about forgiveness and fasting. And we will be reading in Matthew 9, verses 18 through 34. While he, Jesus, was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but if you come and put your hand on her, she will live. Jesus, Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. 
When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away, the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all the region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I can do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. In this passage, we see four exciting healing stories back to back. The synagogue leader's daughter is seemingly raised from the dead. A woman who has suffered from hemorrhaging from 12 years is miraculously healed through the simple act of touching Jesus' clothes. Two blind men are granted sight, and God casts a demon out of a mute man. This is like the action movie of healing stories. They all happen in such short succession, back to back, one after another. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brian taught about the healing power of our faith. And in each of these interactions that we just read, we learn that Jesus uses the faith of those he healed. In verse 19, we see the faith of a father. My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Verse 22, take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. In verse 29, then Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. This same passage, though, might make at least a few of us start to ask some challenging questions. What about those of us, including maybe you and me, who have prayed for healing and yet have not received what we have asked? have not seen healing happen in the lives that we've prayed for? How is it possible that some people pray and are healed, and yet other people pray and they do not see healing? How is it that some people seem very full of faith and do not find the healing for which they ask? And why does it feel like sometimes there are people who might not deserve healing, but they find it? And people with strong faith do not find it. And what would have happened if Jesus had decided not to heal in one of these encounters? We will unpack all of that and even more. If you're asking any of these types of questions, you are not alone. I ask these types of questions every single time I read through these scriptures. Asking these questions allows us to connect with God and dig deeper and deepen these individual relationships that we have with God and further our understanding of God's love for us. 
Our day-to-day reality is simply that we don't see these types of biblical miracles that we read about taking place right here in our own church or in our own community. Jesus extends the power of physical healing to his disciples, but you and I have not inherited this miraculous trait. The truth is that God does not always heal us in a physical sense or in ways that we can really see or understand in our lifetimes. God does not always answer our prayers in the ways that we want them to be answered, or in ways that make sense to us in this day, or in this week, or in this season of our lives. In his day, Jesus proves his power to his community by offering powerful, visible healing. The healing that we have read about in the Gospel of Matthew is, in many ways, a means to an end. In other words, Jesus offered miraculous, physical, visible healing in order to achieve something greater. Jesus performed these miraculous healings as a method of authenticating himself to show his community that he really was the Messiah who he claimed to be. Now, can you imagine a homeless person, a homeless man walking through the streets of your community, maybe the streets of South Bend or Mishawaka, wherever you live? Imagine a homeless man walking down the street declaring that he was the son of God. The reality is that we too would probably laugh at him, doubt him, ridicule him, there's no way that we would actually believe that he was the son of God. Many of us might make attempts to help him be connected with the resources that he would need. Maybe he needs mental health care. Maybe he needs amnesty. But we would certainly not believe that this man was the son of God. It would take him performing a miracle for us to believe that. And so Jesus is performing these miracles proving to the world that he really was God incarnate. He was who he claimed to be. Jesus shows up primarily for spiritual healing, not for physical healing, but yet he visibly healed the girl and the woman and the blind men and the mute to reveal his true God-given power in a culture in a world that was anxiously waiting and watching for signs as they prayed and hoped for a savior. The woman who experienced bleeding for 12 years got to experience God's healing in both a physical and a spiritual sense. Um, Jewish law at the time would have declared this unnamed woman to be ceremonially unclean. The laws um, said that she was not allowed to enter the temple during um, the seven days of her menstrual cycle, we assume around seven days, and seven days after her bleeding had stopped, and then she would have been purified in a ritual purifying bath. My friends, do you realize that this means that this woman, women of childbearing age, would not have been allowed to be in the temple for half of their childbearing lives? one week during menstruation and one week to be clean 
They would have spent half of their childbearing lives, two out of every four weeks, being forbidden from the temple. Imagine being forbidden from entering your place of worship. Imagine if everything that you touched also became ceremonially unclean. And imagine if every person who you came into contact with avoided you because being close to you would make them ceremonially unclean, and then they would have to wait seven days to enter the temple. And then imagine that you have spent half of your adult life not being allowed to enter your place of worship. Can you imagine not even being allowed to enter the parking lot at Clay Church? And then consider that this woman was denied her house of worship for 12 consecutive years. So every single person in that busy crowd as she pushed her way to Jesus would have become unclean in this process. And according to the Jewish law, that would have included Jesus. So the fact that this woman made it a priority to be in physical proximity to God himself is a miracle. This woman would have been a complete outcast in her society. She would have been rejected, lonely, poor, and the scriptures tell us she was utterly desperate. Yet, the world cannot contaminate Jesus. This woman did not make Jesus unclean with her touch. Rather, he made her clean. And not only that, but he calls her daughter. So she is not only healed from her uncleanliness, but Jesus adopts her as a daughter of God. This woman is now free to fully practice her faith within her community. This spiritual healing allows the woman to find restoration within her community, and it paints a picture of what restoration can look like for each one of us. Spiritual healing points to an open door to the kingdom of heaven that's open to everyone and can often point to an invitation into community. So understanding all of this cultural background, all of this knowledge that we've gained, and remembering that people aren't always healed in the ways that we want them to be healed, I think that we need to be especially careful as members of God's church um, when we encounter healing needs in our communities. It's so easy to offer platitudes to others or even to ourselves. What do we say when we don't know what to say? Some of the things that maybe you've heard or maybe have even said yourselves would be, if God brought you to it, God will bring you through it. God causes things to happen to you to make you grow. If you pray hard enough, it will happen. Or my personal favorite, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. For some people facing hard times who have come down on their luck, these types of platitudes can imply that God is doing bad things to us, or that we're being punished for our sins, or that our prayers aren't good enough for God, 
or that our faith is not strong enough to make us worthy of God's physical healing. Now, if you've said any of these things or something similar, that's okay. I have too. Extend yourself some grace. Um, we don't, often don't know what to say when we're put in these types of situations, and we might feel uncomfortable with difficult information or news that might make us feel like there's little hope for healing. But allow yourself to sit in this discomfort and recognize that we exist in a society that wants instant fixes when things go, seem to go awry. We want to believe that we are in control of our own lives, and so when we face challenges that are beyond our control, outside of our comfort zone, trying to block out these feelings of despair and anger and grief can be a very common response. But these uncomfortable moments can be opportunities to fully embrace the people we love into community as a ways of restoration. We do not have to have all of the answers when our friends or our loved ones find themselves in need of healing because we simply don't have the answers. Nobody does. But what we can offer to them is a word of prayer, a piece of scripture if it feels appropriate. There are 58 total psalms of lament. We can offer affirmation of their feelings or just sitting with someone in the silence of their grief to remind them that they are not alone. All of these things say, I see you, I love you, and they remind us in our darkest moments of deep hurt that God sees us too. If you are willing to talk to me about faith formation for about 15 minutes, I will more than likely mention Rachel Held Evans. If you're not familiar with her, Rachel Held Evans was a Christian columnist, blogger, and author who challenged the conservative Christianity and traditional gender roles that she grew up learning about in her church. And she gave a voice to an entire generation of young and wandering and questioning Protestant evangelicals. I first discovered Rachel and her books when I was walking through my own personal faith reformation. And in fact, I checked out her book, Searching for Sunday, from the library so many times that I was thrilled when I finally found a gently used copy at Half Price Books that I could highlight and dog ear and take my own notes in. In April 2019, Rachel came down with the flu. She was subsequently placed in a medically induced coma following an allergic reaction um, to a medication that they had prescribed her for an additional infection that had developed. On May 4, 2019, at 37 years old, Rachel died um, after severe brain swelling made her condition even worse. In an essay written after her death, her friend Jeff Chu wrote the following. Later that night, a few of us, a motley collection of friends and family, diverse in life experience and theology, but united in our love for this beloved child of God, gathered around her. We prayed the Nuctimitis, and some of us sang, it is well with my soul. I say some of us because it was not well with my soul. Not at all. And I couldn't pretend to sing a single word. 
God did not heal Rachel in her physical body. In the way that her friends and her family prayed and begged God to heal her, we can imagine that there was deep sorrow and weeping and questions surrounding this sudden and tragic death at such a young age. God offered a different kind of healing, a healing for her spirit, for her soul, for her to be united with God in heaven. The pain and suffering that we experience in our lives offers us the gift of empathy. And empathy helps us to come alongside others along their healing journeys. As Christ representatives, we shine the light of his face to the world. And in this beautiful way, we, you and I, offer healing. As Jesus came alongside the father to heal his daughter, so too do we come alongside others during their times of need. So when you have faced adversity, when you do face adversity, because you will, take heart, you're in good company. If you face strained family relationships, if you've lost someone you love, if you or someone you love is struggling with addiction, if you have received a scary diagnosis, if you're grieving the loss of a life that you only imagined for yourself, if you've been hurt by the church in the past, take heart, dear ones, for Jesus has overcome the world. And I pray that you had someone to come alongside you when you most needed healing. And if not, on behalf of Clay Church, I invite you into this community. Let us pray for you. Let us help you unpack your heavy burdens alongside this community of believers that believes and leans into the love of God and his healing character. Seeking encounters with the healing power of Jesus connects us to the grace, mercy, and eternal promises of God. God offers this divine healing for us too so that even in the face of death, we are confident in a God who loves us and rescues us and promises us an eternity of healing. For those who have lost relationships, community, friendships, hopes and dreams, God sees you. You aren't alone. All of this healing, it's heart work. It's hard work. But at the root of it, it's heart work. Pressing into God helps to guide us along the path of finding healing and wholeness. And fortunately, God offers us this community to help come alongside us during our healing process. And as Rachel Held Evans writes in Searching for Sunday, even here in the dark, God is busy making all things new. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we trust you. We know and we believe that you are in control and that you know the healing that we need. We know what we, you know what we need before we even ask. I pray for each and every person listening today who is in search of healing, no matter what that healing may look like. 
May each of us encounter your presence and your comfort as we seek to grow and to heal. Heal us, Lord, but by your will and by your mercy. May we, as your church, reach those in need of healing. Help us to be welcoming and inclusive. Help us to see the ways that lead to healing right here in our own community and be bold to act when we sense your gentle nudge. Help us to see with your eyes and reach out with a spirit that looks like you. Help us, God, to look more like you. Amen.